Welcome to Voices of Baltimore. My name is Zion Chambers, and I am a strength ambassador here at Mission Fit. We're creating a platform for discussion for the youth, by the youth, to tell our stories. We are people from Baltimore. We understand Baltimore. Everyone hears the ugly, but here we're going to dive into the truth, raw and uncut. To talk about it all, Baltimore in its entirety, and strengthen, uplift, and unite the voices of our community. We hope you join the discussion. Thank you. Good morning, folks. Thank you for coming in for another episode of Voices of Baltimore. I am Zion Chambers, a strength ambassador at Mission Fit. And today we have Wes Jameson, Director of Development at Mission Fit. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Chauncey. Hello, everyone. Chauncey White here. Okay, folks, uh, let's start off with a few questions today. We will be talking about a various uh, landscape of topics. Um, first off, who are you, Mr. Chauncey? Well, Zion, my name is Chauncey Whitehead. I'm a personal trainer fitness professional in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area, and I've been training people in this area for probably 28 to almost 30 years now. Understandable, understandable. Um, let's first off talk about your health walk. Um, you've been doing that for a, a very long time. Um, could you give us some details about the health walk? What, is, what does it consist of? Um, how have you been consistent in that health walk? And what has the health walk really done for people in our community? Oh, that's a great question, Zion. The reason why I start with walking is because walking is one of the first movements or exercise, if you will, that we learn as a kid. You know, you learn how to crawl first and then you learn how to walk. So I figured if I apply the things that I learned when I was a kid from walking, that you could also use that when you age. And it's also a good opportunity when you're in a community to get to know someone when you're walking. A lot of times when you're exercising, whether it be athletic specific or just working out in the gym, you're kind of under a time constraint. So you very rarely ask questions about who you are, what do you do, how do you live? And I figure that if we walk, then you're going to talk. My motto is a community that walks together, talks together. So I've been putting together community walks in the Baltimore area now for probably 20 years. One of the walks we do is on a Sunday, every Sunday, 7.30 a.m. here at Mission Fit, we have a community walk and uh, we walk anywhere between one mile to five miles. But what I like to do is I always try to make sure there's something for everyone. The reason I started one is because most of us can walk one mile and five miles are for my advanced people. So every week I give them a consistent number that they can do comfortably to try to increase that number. So, you really mentioned a lot about consistency. Like you said, 20 years. Um, what can we do to bring forth consistency with people who want to get into the fitness, um, the fitness world or just want to be fit and, 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 and live a healthy lifestyle? Um, that's a good question, too, because consistency, I found, also revolves around what you like. In the fitness business, in the fitness industry, or athletics, typically what I ask someone that wants me to become their personal trainer, fitness professional, or help them in some type of athletic endeavor is, what do you like to do? One of the biggest problems is most people hate 
cardio. They hate running. They hate anything where they have to get their heart rate up. So I tell them, what do you like to do? Some people like to bike. Some people like to run. Some people like to skateboard. Some people like to swim. Whatever that discipline is they like to do, I try to encourage them to do it. Because if they don't like to do it, and I tell you, Zion, we need to run, and you don't like to run, you're not going to do it consistently. Absolutely. So the C word is the most important. So I always try to make sure that I find something that my potential client or potential fitness member likes to do. Then as a fitness professional, personal trainer, I'm going to help them develop the consistency to succeed. Consistency usually equals success. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, Zion picked up on a couple of uh, things that are big for you that are words that popped into my mind when I think of Chauncey the trainer. And one is consistency, which is what Chauncey, uh, which was Zion just asked about. And the other would be community. Um, I think if anyone has spent any time talking to you, they hear you talk. The, the word community comes in almost every sentence. And it's not just something that you talk about. It's something that you you believe in. It's something that you build. And so uh, for you, what do you see as the key ingredients for, for building community and like, why do you see it as such a key ingredient to health and what you do? Uh, you, you mentioned the word community and consistency. And as a fitness professional, one of the things that I learned the most important in the community is they need to see you in the community before you ask them to do anything. It doesn't matter whether it's fitness or whether it's social activism, whatever it is. So one of the things I made sure before I engaged the community, whether it was youth or adults, into fitness they saw me in the community, volunteering, helping with their needs. I believe that meeting the community where they're at first, they may not be at the fitness level, but Wes, they may need me to come in to volunteer at a kitchen. They right. may need me to come in during the holidays to help out. So once they see me as a fitness professional in the community, volunteering and meeting them at their needs, they're more inclined when I start to ask them or talk to them about their health. A lot of young people have seen me in the community throughout the years, running through the community. One of the reasons I make sure I run through the community, because if young people see me running or doing physical activity in the community, they're more likely to engage me or to trust me when I pop into their school or I come to their community center and I try to engage them about physical activity and consistency. I've had some people, oh, that's old Unc I seen running in the park. That's him. Yeah, and they're more likely to engage me in a funny conversation, but then they actually want to listen to how do I get that consistency. So meeting the community where they're at is the first step in community and fitness activism. Yeah, I, I hear all that. Um, I know that it's been uh, work for us to build trust and build community, and it definitely starts with just showing up consistently. And uh, I know you show up very consistently at... 7.30 in the morning mm -hmm. and do your your cardio and you know you know me and 7.30 in the morning and cardio aren't things that I make <laughs> part of my life so yeah but uh, I appreciate that I, I know how reliable you are and I think the community thinks of you as someone who is is there and who is is able to meet them where they are um, absolutely Wes one of the things that uh, you just said about consistency and community to me those two c words go together because if you're not consistent in the community, no matter what you do, whether it's fitness, whether it's volunteer work, whether it's social activism, 
the community's not going to take you serious. They need to see you in the community 365. I'll use the term 365 because when you're in there, they believe that you care. There's a, a term that they use in uh, research where they call parachute research, where you only come into the community when you want to dig from the community and research, but you're not giving back to the community. So that's why I try to make sure that I'm in the community, not just for fitness, but whatever your needs is. If Zion asked me to come into the community because he wanted to give out some gift baskets or he needed to, to, to mow some lawns, I would say yes, because I know if I'm visible in the community helping Zion out for his need, if I needed him to come volunteer with me to work with some young kids in fitness, the community is going to help each other. He comes, the community listens, and it's a win-win situation altogether. We're all fulfilling each other's needs. That's what a community does. I feel like I feel like a lot of times in life, um, when it comes to change, you have to you have to you have to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And I feel like that's a big thing that you you you, you feel as though is um, a uh, a central point in your life and a, and a central thing that you abide by um, f for however long you you, you do this. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is um, the changes that you've seen in the health landscape. Um, like you said, you've been doing this for well over 20 years. Um, you've been to different communities, um, worked with different people of all backgrounds, of all ages, um, of all experiences. And I just want to know what you've seen in, in, in the changes when it comes to health, um, whether that be with people or if that be with the resources that we have um, in relation to health. Um, so can you, can you speak about that? One of the most excellent questions that I'll ever be asked is what you just asked. In my generation, we had recess, PE, physical education, just about every day in school, every single day. Now, some of the old school or old heads will say, oh, I wish PE or phys ed or recess would come back. It's never coming back in its old form. So one of the things that I try to get young people to understand and their parents or guardian is that it's up to us. I had PE. Let me tell you a thing that went on when I was a kid in the summertime. Every time in the summer, all the kids, boys and girls, we did a triathlon every single day. We ran to the park, we went swimming, and sometimes we biked every single day. We didn't know it was a triathlon, but we did that every day for almost 90 to 100 and some odd days, depending upon when you went back to school. Also, one of the things that we learned when we were kids, especially of my generation, I played marbles. You ever played marbles? I have. One of the things you learn about marbles that I try to teach young people and engage them is you learn citizenship. Mm -hmm. If you have my cat's eye or you have my best marble and you want it, I give you some dap, I'm going to get you next time. Right. And I'm going to try my best to win that back fair and square. Right. Citizenship, jumping rope, hopscotch, which you learn from hopscotch is balance. Have you ever played hopscotch? You learn balance. You don't know that you're preparing yourself for athletic career, but one of the things my PE gym teacher used to do, and some of the athletic teachers, they would go out on the recess and see who the best kid was in tetherball. You could see the reflex, eye to hand, the way they will move out of the way. I want that young boy to go into boxing. You could see the kid that could kick ball. You see that he has strong legs. You see the kid that was in dodgeball. He has all the different moves. Maybe he would be a great running back. 
So it's things like that that we learned in elementary school that I tell parents and guardians, including fitness professionals, that's never coming back. It's on us to try to teach the young people the things that we learned, how to be engaged with physical activity on a daily, what did I say, consistent basis through the summer. Every day we did that. Rode bikes, played basketball, played kickball, played played soccer, all those type of things. So that was your experience growing up. And maybe this is just as much of a question for Zion as it is for you is, where is that now? Like why why has that why is that not the case and what has replaced it? So what is the summer like for uh I don't know what maybe fifteen years old is what you maybe were talking about? What yep. is it like for a fifteen year old in Baltimore and why isn't it a triathlon? Um so as we already know, um now n- nowadays we have technology, a lot of technology, a lot of social media. Um, a lot of people are on our cell. We are on our cell phones a lot more than we are outside. So, growing up, um, you know, I was born in 2002. So I'm, you know, I'm not too not too far from <laughs> you know where we're at now. But um, even in the the early 2010s, um, all the way up to I would say 2015, we had a lot of cookouts outside playing, uh, you know, t- tag and you know just different games and you know had football game, pick up football games, things of that nature. And I feel like that interaction was very, you know, essential in our community um, for positivity as well as, you know, the, the aspect of health. Um, we don't have that now because of the importance of social media now, um, the importance of, I guess, technology, um, and I just feel like I'm not, I'm not really sure. You know, I just feel like a lot of people just lost interest and in, and in being outside. You know, it's just everything is at the at the tips of your fingers, you know, everything is accessible so, so quickly now that we don't right. have to really work hard to get that interaction with people. You know, we can FaceTime people now instead of going outside to your friend's house, which is, you know, a, a, a blessing as well as a curse. So, yeah. you know, Zion hit on a point, no matter what the generation is, his key word that he said was the interaction. Mm-hmm. The one reason we did the triathlon every day is because our friends were there. But as Zion brought it to 2010, if I can contact my friends at the key of my fingertips, there's no need to meet Zion to ride the bike. There's no need for me to meet Wes at the swimming pool. Most of it we did, it was because of the social interaction. Now, how, Zion, to answer your question and myself, generations removed can help a young person if we both went into the community. One, we want to make sure that individual and his parent or guardians, they trust us and we find a safe environment for them to go. Zion and I come in and say, hey, you know, we're going to pay a, play a pickup uh, football game, a pickup uh, basketball game. Sometimes the environment is difficult because they may not be able to walk right outside of their house because of some different environment, mental things going on outside of the house. So we need to, as a community and as fitness professionals, mission fit, uh, health and wellness ambassadors, to try to find environments via the park or places like mission fit to encourage these young people. And if we can, to bring them there and also try to encourage their peers. Because as Zion said, if my boy Brian ain't going, chances are if I can sit right there on Facebook or the ask my phone, I'm not going. But if somehow we can in that dragnet, get Brian, get Sheila, get all of them 
to realize this is going to be a part, Zion, of our social function. We can bring our phones. Then they'll be more than likely to do it. But if I can sit at home, as Zion said, from 2010 till now, and me and Zion are playing uh, uh, football on, on the phone and we're doing whatever, there's no need to go outside. That is exactly what I picked on picked up on from what and he, he was on point oh, absolutely. He, he was on point I'm talking to my boys Zion's like for what we ain't got to go outside we've been <laughs> talking since 8am it's July the 12th exactly you know that's... we do this every day mm-hmm. you know, every day that's what I was thinking is if you wanted to have fun when you were a kid you had friends, to go outside to meet up to him and even if the fun that you were gonna have wasn't uh, running up and down the hills you had to bike or you had to walk to get there and you were probably sitting outside when you were doing it, right? Absolutely. It's, it's funny because you, you take a young young man like uh, Zion who's athletic. But if he's my boy, because a lot of times when you're in school, you got the one boy like a Zion that's athletic, but his boy may not be athletic. But if I wanted to holler and be with my boy Zion, Zion's like, you know, it's July the 12th. We're going up to the place to play basketball. I had to go with him because that's my boy. We hang out. We go to McDonald's afterward. But now I just shoot him a text. I just holler at him. So the peer pressure is one of the reasons why young people either do something or they don't. Many times I did not want to do that triathlon. I didn't tell you when I said that, I didn't say I wanted to, but I know my boy Ricky was always doing that every day and vice versa. So the next thing you know, it it became something I did. And along the way, by accident, Ricky was a football player, but I found out that I had running skills. See, you, you, sometimes when you're out moving, you don't know the sport that you choose. Sometimes the sport chooses you. So then along the way, because in my generation, there were no soccer moms. We had to, a lot of times my bike was down. So I had to run to the swimming pool, which was about two and a half miles away. And then run, we would run back home. So every day I was doing a lot of running. And then when track practice came along, cross country came along, I said, let me give it a shot. Because, you know, you never know. Then the track coach figured out, okay, Chauncey can run, and on and on and on. But if you stay stationary during the summer and you're not moving at all, there's probably a lot of young potential athletes, I am, that we know within the community that we will never be able to tap their athleticism because they're not moving. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. But you know what? Um, like you mentioned, a lot of times we have a lot of um, a lot of youth that have a lot of a lot of abilities that we don't really notice or a, a lot of abilities that, that are not unleashed because of, you know, their comfortability and what they're doing, you know. And I feel like sometimes that comes up to resources as well. Absolutely. I know me personally growing up, I did not start playing football until my ninth grade year of high school. Um, the reason was is because I never had the money nor the resources to play um, Pop Warner football. It was always $300, $400 mm-hmm. to pay for registration. And, you know, the, the, the place that I was going to play football at Rosedale was all the way out Rosedale in the county. And, you know, I just never had the ability to do so. What can we do to, to give these people, the, these young people, the, the access as well as the resources to unleash that, those abilities and to show what they could, you know, do possibly in the future? Is to proactively become a mentor and a sponsor. One of the things I did when I was the uh, fitness coordinator at the Druid Druid Hill YMCA was I would walk the community and I would identify some young people that had some different environmental things going on or, like you said, tough tough income that was difficult to, to deal with. And I would go right ahead and I would find sponsors that could cover their membership, 
cover their membership so they could come in, be in a nice environment, and start their athletic or their fitness journey. I tell people you don't have to wait for a specific organization to sponsor a young person because it's the resources, like you said. Not every community is the same. They may not have resources or the income to pay for that football camp. But what we can do, what Zion can do, what Chauncey can do, what Wes can do, if we don't have the income, is try to find a safe park. Try to find a safe area where they can um, can practice or proactively go and seek sponsors. Hey, Wes, I got three people. They want to uh, sponsor some young people. They got uh, some resources in one of these football camps to help out. Because what you said is so important, Zion. A lot of times it's not because every child is doesn't want to move during the summer or they don't want to do something. They also have this, which is understandable, they kind of feel some kind of way when they know why bother when I don't have the resources or my parents aren't going to be able to afford it. I don't want to ask them that. We need that money somewhere else. That's why when when we started this conversation, when you're meeting the community where they're at, Wes and I would already know that Miss Johnson probably doesn't have that available income to put her kid through football camp or put her kid through skating camp or put her kid through gymnastic camp. Because Wes and I have been volunteering the community, we understand and we try to help her at that need before it becomes uncomfortable. That's what being a fitness and a community activist is, is not just coming in because we're into the fitness and the health. What other needs does Miss Johnson need to have met before she can let her son or her daughter participate in a, um, in, in a in a sport or athletics. Understood, understood. You touched on a, a lot of interesting and uh, very important points. Um, the next question I have is about health activism. Um, this is my first time ever hearing about health activism. I want you to basically explain what is health, health activism and how can we maintain it in our, in our community? One of the other things I'm known at is Chauncey, the... Uh, fitness activists. So I'm going to take the word activism. In my my humble opinion, activism is meeting individuals where they're at and act on their behalf. That is what I believe. So when I look at the word health activism slash fitness activism, it's going into the community and asking the community, what can I do for you? How can I use my skills to help you? And if I don't have the skills, what can I do to help you achieve or get what you need. Because when you realize in the activism side of the house, whether it be fitness, social activism, you don't want to come in with your needs. You want to come in and see how you can help. And a lot of activism requires one of the most important things is to stop talking and listen. Listen. Not talk about your activism, but listen of how you can help that community act on what they need to be done or what they want to be done. That is what health activism is to me and fitness activism. Using my skills to better listen to the community and how I can serve that community. Yeah. And I think that's something we were talking about kind of before before we got started is what, is, what does it mean to be a health activist? Um, because you're so much more than just a personal trainer. Um, and I wanted to ask about, you know, health activism. There's 
activating different spaces, making them safe, activating community. Um, and then there's what you do inside the gym as, as well. But are there other realms that you've seen change or other areas that need to be activated um, to make it a better setting for young people like, like Zion um, with regard to their health? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm going to go to the, uh, the eating and the diet, dietary and the nutrition side of the house. I'm not a certified nutritionist or dietitian, but one of the issues that we have in a lot of communities are the food deserts. You know, the lack of healthy food, lack of fruits and vegetables. But what I have noticed over the last 20 years is we're trying to combat that by bringing the community food and also a steady dose of you become the farmer. I love one of my colleagues has an urban farm up in the Park Heights community yeah. where he's teaching the community how to plant their own fruits, how to plant their own vegetables, because that's the key too. If we teach individuals how to become self-sufficient and use your own resources, I have noticed within the last 20 years, there are a lot of agencies and groups that are coming into the communities to help them with that effort because food deserts are real. There are some places in Baltimore City and some communities around the country where there may not be a grocery store for five or 10 miles, you know, and that's very, very important. You can't say as a fitness professional or a health advocate, I need you to eat healthy fruits and vegetables a day. And then as the community, I don't have access or it's so far away. But what I have seen that, that some of the health activists have come into the community and have said, I use the name Miss Johnson again, Miss Johnson, how can we help you get past this desert? How can we help you get to that grocery store? Or how can we help you be self-sufficient in the community? So I will say that that's one of the things that make me smile is that over the past 20 years, we have become um, uh, more inclined to come into the community to help them with that issue. Because some of these food deserts, some of these big companies, the grocery stores are not coming in. Right. However, we can come in and help as a community of health and diet activists. Right. And that's something that I think about um, in some of the programming that we do here is, you know, is it even ethical for me to in, introduce uh, quinoa and squash and organic beef when the finances and the just general access to those foods might not even be there. Um, it's definitely something that, that I struggle with myself. And one of the things that you were talking about that had me thinking is, um, you know, health and, uh, and eating and education and what's happened around physical education and food education and food access in the school, like public school space. And I'm just wondering if you've had experience there and just, you know, what you've seen in your time as a, as a health professional in the public school space. Well, you know, piggybacking off of what you just said and what I said a little bit earlier, I have seen that some of the public schools have reached out to consultants, fitness professionals, uh, private nutritionists, private dietitians to come in and teach uh, nutrition to young people, teach nutrition to their parents and guardians. Because uh, I know when I was in school, I had home economics. I think I got a high D in that. Right. You know, it was a joke to me. I was in there because all the girls were in there. But a lot of those lessons did stick out. I can remember, Wes, 
when you were working with um, your youth works, I believe it was last year, one of the best days of my life was when those young boys cooked that meal. Yeah. I still have that video. Yeah. Now, they were introduced to the cooking, the, the different fruits and the different vegetables, even if that individual, those young people may not have the, the ends and the means to that on a regular basis. I know from a young pe- person, when I was young, things that I was introduced to that I did not have access to at that point still stuck in my head. Right. They will never forget preparing that meal for all of us and us sitting down and enjoying it. I never forget it. One of my favorite videos. So just because sometimes these individuals may not have access to the organic beef, to the, because let me hop over to fitness. One of the reasons I've had throughout the years, young people that I've worked with that may have got a beautiful, amazing scholarship to an unbelievable university or college, and I've asked them, how come you're not going into the gym to work out? Because I don't know how to use the equipment. So I'm going to piggyback to that is just because you may not have access to that equipment right now does not mean you may not have the access to the equipment later on in life. So some would say, why are you, Chauncey, as a fitness professional, other professionals going in, volunteering, taking some individuals out of the community that have no access to a gym, bringing them to a gym, showing how to use the equipment, is because life changes. Life changes. And I don't want them to have the barrier that, look, I don't know how to use the equipment at this five-star college, so that's the reason why I don't. Or I've never had access to Kiwa, or I've never had access because sometimes when you give a young person access, they may not use it at that time, Zion, but they know how to call back on it. That, okay, now I'm at this school, I walked into this gym and they got every piece of fitness equipment. Ah, but Coach Wes showed me how to use this equipment. That's where we have to use our resources and exposure. Exposure is the key. Just because you live in an environment where you may not have the exposure or the resources, that's when the community activism comes in to help those young people, to train you on the fitness equipment, to expose you to different cooking, to expose you to different nutrition and things like that. So in that, I believe exposure, no matter what your circumstance is, is one of the keys to success. Exposure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think exposure was the word I was going to use. Um, I lean towards exposure when I am in the space of, I don't know if I should do this thing or I should do this. I lean towards exposure. That's generally how I think about it. And I think it's, it's funny that you mentioned the meal that we were cooking during that, uh, our summer strength investor program. Uh, yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, because one of those young men, um, went home and asked his mother about it. And I think they went vegetarian for a month. And whether or not you believe that going vegetarian is good for you, asking those questions and activating that change is massively powerful. Absolutely. So the uh, I didn't know that for another year afterwards. And then finding that out, I was like, wow, that, that really does. I mean, what, what we've done with that like one small meal might have had a really long-lasting effect. So I think it's a great answer to the, the question about about education. And Isaiah, I would just, you know, wanted to ask you about, about that as well. And, you know, when you first started coming to Mission Fit two or three years ago, uh, three, yeah, I believe three, yeah. Um, 
you had been in a gym before and um i remember that was one of the reasons that you you came to us is that you didn't necessarily have access to a to a gym space so i'm just wondering what has what it's been like for you as far as your education and like did you know what to do in the gym when you first were going into the gym and then having access to to this space and learning here like and now being a a college athlete and having access to a gym space i I assume whenever you yeah um you've gone from it's been a very different journey yeah from sneaking into a gym Mm -hmm. to having full access to a gym and just wondering what that's been like and uh how your education around movement around uh, exercise has served you or or not served you so yeah like you mentioned um before coming to mission fit i never had a gym membership ever in life um Starting off, you know, playing football my freshman year or whatnot, me and my brother used to sneak into the YMCA just to get a workout in. Like, we used to get cool. Which was, I'm sorry? 30, Which one? 30, okay, what well, Drew it here? <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't get past you. I would have I sponsored you anyway, but go ahead. <laughs> See, but we, you know, we never had that, you know, that, that accessibility to the people who really cared about that, you know? I like that, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, we used to, you know, sneak into the YMCA. We used to either do that or go to a backyard and try to do calisthenics and do just little free movements and things of that nature. So coming to Mission Fit definitely was a different experience for me personally. Um, Learning to do a bench press for the first time was something that was monumental for me. Um, And even as a college athlete, I look back to that and I just start to understand where I came from and where I'm at now. And I just understand that um, that giving giving a young person the accessibility and the resources to better themselves um, in a fitness aspect, but also a mental aspect is very important in a person's life. So me coming to Mission Fit, in my opinion, changed my life because I was able to um, unleash a, a a power in me that I didn't have knowing to me before that. Um, so I would say um, my, you know, my, my journey was a little... I wouldn't even say different. I, I think I think a lot of kids, I, I think a lot of children out here, and a lot of young young men and women, uh, go through the same thing as, as as me. But they're not they're not given that blessing, you know, or they're not they're not you know knowledgeable of, of programs like Mission Fit, where they can come in and work out for free, and you know interact with people who did the same thing as them or, or come from the same place as them. So um, so yeah, a, a lot of times. A lot of times, that definitely opens your mind. So. Oh, absolutely, Zion. I like what you just said because one of the things that I did do, as I said, when I was at the Druid Hill YMCA in West Baltimore is uh, I had a lot of kids that snuck in. So I would cut deals. You know, um, some wanted to work out, Zion. Mm-hmm. Some didn't want to, but they would clean up. So that was my deal. Okay, well, you uh, clean the gym up or you, you know, you wipe up. But I also knew that if they were in the gym, they were in a safe space and they weren't out on the street, you know. And I impressed that upon some of my colleagues that uh, were like, you know, um, uh, this is, you know, you got all these folks come. It's either one or the other. We, we, we're either going to help the community or we're not. So I got them to buy into that it was important for us to, mm. to sponsor uh, these individuals. Um, one of the things I did at Druid Him YMCA, um, since we're talking about the Y and, and giving people access, and next to the Y, we had transitional housing. 
And uh, unfortunately, there were a lot of families living next door. And what I decided to do is I used my athletic skills in 2004 to do a Guinness Book World Record abdominal challenge, which was um, 9,771 crunches in one hour. But the physical feat wasn't what I did it for. I took pledges because I wanted to make sure that during the holidays, the 41 units next door in transitional housing, that everyone had a turkey. Not only did we exceed the, the turkeys, we raised $3,500 for transitional housing where there were a lot of kids in there. And so my point with, as Zion said, access and helping the community and sometimes using your physical gifts because out of that, the story of what they may have heard by someone like a Chauncey the trainer that used his or her physical gifts to give back to the community that he may or may not be living in anymore is something that that athlete, that professional athlete may never forget, Zion. And you hear the stories where they walk into the community and they go ahead and they sponsor a bunch of kids or they take a bunch of kids to summer camp. It's about giving back. You'll never forget the 33rd YMCA. You'll never forget Wes and the individuals at Mission Fit. Absolutely. And when you have the opportunity to give back, it's going to come back to you. That's where that whole health activism, community, and consistency comes all the way back around, Zion. So, um, a lot of times when it comes to resources and accessibility, um, people, people start to lose sight of uh, different ways to ex access whatever you're trying to get to. So, let me just explain that a little bit more. Um, me personally, when I started playing football, I did not have a gym membership. Um, I had no access to equipment, but I knew by a fact I was trying to get fit, right? So the little things matter. I did a lot of push-ups. I did a lot of sit-ups. I did a lot of crutches. I did a lot of walking, running, lunges, things of that nature. Um, I found any space I could possibly go to to get fit. It didn't matter what equipment it was. We used to work out in parking lots. We used to go to um, Sam F.B. Moore's over South Baltimore. We used to go into the playground where I used to go to school and do pull-ups on the bars, the monkey bars. And we used to do, you know, laps and, you know, have pickup games in the parking lot, things of that nature. So it was always something creative that we that we had in our minds that, you know what, even though we don't have access to this particular thing that could make us better, we do have access to this. So our purpose went over anything else that we, you know, had in our minds. So I feel like a lot of times in our community, um, if a if a if a young man or a young woman, or even a, a older a older gentleman or older woman, um, has a purpose, they will get there. It, it, you know, in, in any in any way they possibly can. Um, even to this day, I see kids when I'm you know just driving through Baltimore. I see kids on the playground, you know, running around and you know having pickup games and things of that nature. And I just smile and I just look back at it like that used to be me, you know. And I even get out and I have, you know, that interaction with them, you know, and I try to, you know, play a game with them or I just talk to them about the importance of education, talk to them the, about the importance of, you know, just just having a purpose in life, you know, because when you have a purpose, like I said, um, you find a way, you know, you, you, you find a way as, as much as you possibly can. But when you get that resource and that access to to get that, that, that gym membership or to get that equipment, it just... You know, it opens your horizons a lot more and it gives you the accessibility to, 
you know, do a little better than, than you were before. So. You know, absolutely, Zion. But one of the things that, that you just said that was so important was purpose. And you started with the foundation of all exercise, exercise, whether you have the means or not. Typically, we're all introduced to exercise via outside, calisthenics, right. tag, dodgeball. So one of the things I use in my philosophy on teaching Zion, whether it be a child that's six all the way up to 60, is we start off with the foundation of exercise, which is calisthenics and walking, then move into running based on your physical level. Because as you said, if you have the purpose, you're going to exercise no matter where you're at. And if you never forget the calisthenics that you remember, if you never forget the, the running, you won't limit yourself to, I don't have a gym. Or I don't have the access. Even if you have access, you're going to get it done. Whether Zion becomes that unbelievable multi-million dollar football player. If you have, don't have access to a gym, I bet you you'll get it done in your hotel room. Absolutely. I bet you you'll get it done. So one of the things as a community and health and fitness access is what you just said. What you just said, young man, is so powerful. Helping someone find their purpose. Then from their purpose as a, as a fitness professional, as a college athlete as a coach and a and a community activist now what's your purpose let me help you try to find the resource that's where the health activism come in comes in helping the community find their purpose then maybe times uh, hooking them up with the individuals that have the access to whatever ever they need but you said it purpose finding that purpose and don't limit yourself because you don't have a gym guess what by the time you got into the gym, you were ready for the gym because with your purpose, you were doing your calisthenics, doing your push-ups. You guys were handling your business. So when you went into the gym, all you had to do was learn the comprehensive way how to use the equipment because your purpose was, I'm going to get fit whether I'm in a gym or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's um, beautiful. I think I see that as a one of the most popular limiting beliefs and one of the things I was alluding to about education is just I think there's this idea that you need to have access to really fancy equipment to be healthy and that couldn't be further from the truth absolutely I, honestly I think probably we would all be a lot healthier if we put the weights down and everything we just did was outside we just you know we carried some heavy things around and moved some things put them on the floor pick them back up you know um the, the opportunity to I find a nice evenly placed 300 pounds that's Absolutely. evenly distributed laying on a nice flat floor <laughs> where you can take five deep breaths to pick it pick up. It up. I don't see and that happening in the grocery 70 store. Right? degree temperature in the in the room. It's 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 not gonna happen. And you know and and I I just think that you know where you're going to with that is great because it's not gonna happen. No, it's and and for long term, you know, is uh, Zion touched on it so good with the purpose that he's learned how to be successful in or outside of a gym. And that's where coming into the community and he has so much knowledge to give to young people that may be coming up the way he went up there. Look, no, you're not going to become better at your sport because I give you access to a gym. Right. If you don't have the purpose, it's not going to matter. Absolutely. You know, right. and that's why he is a successful young collegiate athlete because his purpose was there first. Now, some people may not develop their purpose, but that's where individuals like ourselves and our community comes in to help them try to focus on their purpose. Absolutely. Yep. And that's one of the, one of the reasons that uh, I've worked hard to keep Zion around is he's so connected to his purpose. He's got an, an he eye on, on who he is and for his family and for his community. And it's, 
it's really awesome to be around. Um, and I think that that lends itself towards uh, one of the questions that we always ask our our guests on this this podcast, which is um, about strength, and um, it might be connected to purpose. But how would you define what is strength? Strength to me, it's going to be kind of funny how I how I define that. Strength is knowing what you have control over and knowing what you need to let go. Mm. You know, in my opinion on my earth, I've on this earth, I have found that the things that I know that I can control, which is truly myself, my actions, is where I find my strength. Where I usually have come up short and weak are the things that I can't control. So that's where I find strength and the things that I truly can control within myself. I like it. So at Mission Fit, we have a tradition where um, we always ask our guests, as well as us, what is our gratitude for today? So, Mr. Chauncey, what is your gratitude? My gratitude is one that uh, I've worked in a lot of gyms and trained in a lot of gyms, but I'm very, my gratitude is that I was led to Mission Fit because they have the same community purpose that I have. You have no idea. I've told many of my clients that, that I'm so grateful that I was led to Mission mission Fit for their community activism, the way they work with the youth, and even our animal-friendly uh, <laughs> environment. Sounds corny, but it's 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 so true. And I'm, I'm grateful that there's young individuals like yourself, young people that we interact with, and young people like yourself that has a purpose and that are willing to listen to sometimes old heads to learn from us and to respect and then take that knowledge back to the community. So I am very grateful that I'm right here with you, Brother Zion. I appreciate that. Wes? Um, yeah, to piggyback on that, I'm thankful that I I get to sit here and listen to a very young person with mm-hmm. a very connected purpose and another very young person connected to their purpose and we were discussing before we got started that this podcast is not just about health and fitness but it's about uh, uplifting voices from Baltimore and in that way Zion you are the resident expert more Mm -hmm. so than than Chauncey and myself so I appreciate the opportunity to sit here and learn from Chauncey and to learn from you Zion Uh, it's truly a blessing Um, I would say my gratitude is my ability, well, my access to people that want to understand, that actually listen to what we have to say in our community as, 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 as youth, um, as well as, as well as the access to listen to people who, you know, give us the time to, um, you know, get better, you know, just to, to, to be patient with us. Um, in our society, uh, things have changed a lot throughout the years, especially since, you know, the, the years of that, that you've grown up, um, as, as well as Wes. <laughs> and, um, and I just, you know, I, I just, I am just very grateful that, that people care, you know, that, that people really care about what's going on and, and, and want to, and, and want to understand the good as well as the bad. So I would say that's my gratitude for sure. Awesome. Appreciate you both. Appreciate uh, you both too, Brother Zion and Brother Wes. This was fun. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Anytime. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys for coming in today. And uh, see you next time. Thank you.